It is your Tuesday daily delivery. I am Michael Rand. Happy to have everybody back today. Good show coming up. But before we get to that, um, quick uh, note: if you see on the show page today, the uh, you know, if you look on the description on the uh, you know, if you wherever you get your podcasts, or if you're looking on the Star Tribune site, you'll see a link to a survey. If you've not taken that survey yet, and a bunch of you have, please, if you have a minute, take that. Uh, Take that survey. It's just a listener survey for daily delivery listeners. Try to get an idea of who you are um, and also maybe some things I want to tweak as I consider the show um, kind of big picture. Haven't done a whole lot of that lately. Did a lot of that early on, but I want to uh, want to fine-tune some things, and your feedback will help with that. So if you have a couple minutes, it's not a long survey. It's just a Google form with a bunch of multiple-choice questions and one kind of open-ended question at the end. So if you get a chance, fill that out. You'll find a link to that pretty easily wherever you find this podcast. Today's show, Chips Goggins and Carlos Gonzalez from the Star Tribune will join me here in just a few minutes to talk about their uh, their long story over the over the weekend on uh, on Maple Grove Hockey, taking a look at kind of what a team goes through in a good way uh, from the time that it makes the boys hockey tournament. So the section finals the week before up until puck drop at the state tournament. So fun story, a lot of good access for Chip and Carlos. The access was, of course, in good hands. Both of those guys really know how to tell a story. So hope you will listen to that. Uh, just a way to uh, to kind of go inside the story. And I uh, thought that was interesting. So hope you find that interesting as well. We will also get to a good and important result for the Timberwolves and some bad news again for the Gophers men's basketball team in the transfer portal. First, though, what did I miss? Got to start with the Vikings. It was an interesting, eventful day on Monday. I will avoid too many specifics of what might happen next because they could become obsolete quickly. But rest assured, today is Tuesday, March 14th, Pi Day. Happy Pi Day. Um, They have a day to become cap compliant. New league year officially starts tomorrow when uh, when players can officially start signing those contracts when they need to be under the salary cap. They are not under the cap yet, but they've made some moves, gotten rid of some players, restructured some players, and um, agreed to terms with a couple of players, at least reportedly, and Becoming pretty obvious, A, that they have a certain plan, but that the broad umbrella of the plan, if you're asking me what it is, you know, when Kwesi Adolfo Mensa and Kevin O'Connell came in in 2022, Adolfo Mensa, of course, the general manager, O'Connell, the head coach, they brought in this notion of a competitive rebuild. And it seemed like a strange kind of coming together of two notions at once. And to me right now, it seems more like a hyphenated name that they brought these two things together and that uh, 2022 was more or less the competitive part of the family and the uh, the rebuild part is 2023. Now, it's not wholesale. It's not all. I'd say last year was maybe 80-20 competitive and at 20%, um, 80% competitive, 20% rebuild. I'd say this year is trending towards maybe... 30% competitive and 70% rebuild if you look at the moves they have made so far. You know, thinking about cutting Eric Kendricks pretty early in the process last week. Thinking about, you know, now that uh, Dalvin Tomlinson reportedly is going to uh, going to Cleveland on a pretty big deal. Patrick Peterson signing with 
the uh, the Steelers, you know, two guys that you thought maybe they would be able to hang on to, that maybe they wanted to hang on to, does not sound like financially they were able to do that, or that that was that was something that was in the cards. So now the you know now the Vikings are down two corners because they released also Cameron Dantzler, and to replace these guys so far, you know, which also includes Adam Thielen who was released. Now the big moves so far in the other direction have been to you know restructure Jordan Hicks to sign. Um, to sign a blocking tight end, which is interesting to me, a blocking tight end this was not on my uh, was not on my list as of, of things that the Vikings were probably going to do. But they reached a three-year agreement with Josh Oliver from the Ravens, apparently one of the better blocking tight ends in the league. And I'll get back to that in a minute on what I think that means. And they've also reportedly agreed to terms with Marcus Davenport, a pass rusher from the uh, from the Saints. So. Remaking the defense definitely in, in with you know starting with with the Marcus Davenport move and a lot of the releases they've made Davenport twenty six um, needs to pass a physical still this is the Associated Press reporting that he is coming here um, only had a half a sack last season which kind of is a red flag to me but he had nine sacks in twenty twenty one maybe he was playing hurt last year not sure what to make of that he would need to pass a physical like I said but he's twenty six. So maybe more on the uh, kind of on the right trajectory, got some left in the tank, and maybe they think they can help him because he was a former first round pick. So that's what they've done so far. Now the the uh, the, the blocking tight end Oliver that that's interesting to me because it makes me think of something that Kevin O'Connell said at the uh, at the scouting combine when he was asked about kind of the running game and what to make of that. Um, he said, to me, it comes down to efficiency. That's the word. I think the home runs and the long runs are great, but as a play caller, I would love to be second and five. I think the number one rushing team in the league averaged over five yards a carry, and if you tell me I'm second and five, here we go. We're in a position to go do a lot of things, regardless of field position, score in the game, the personnel groupings. Second and five is a great place to be for an offense like ours with the type of personnel we have. So what hurts is second and 10, second and 11, second and 12, third and eight on the road with the crowd noise, trying to use your versatile personnel, but you got to get back to 11 personnel at the very least to attack that third down. So you find yourself slowing down your process and the play calls, and you try to be perfect at that point. So um, I was reading that from a, a Matthew Collar story from earlier this year. Um, I think there was a session with with different reporters from from the you know who cover the team, and he noted in that story that Dalvin Cook, Vikings running back, led the NFL with 62 carries of either zero yards or negative yards. That makes me think: a, they wanted to upgrade their run blocking. Oliver, known for his run blocking, he will fit into that scheme very nicely. Two, makes me wonder about the future of Dalvin Cook. If, uh, if Kevin O'Connell wants to be in second and five more than he wants those long runs, Dalvin Cook might not be your guy, especially as Dalvin Cook approaches the wrong side of whatever mythical um, running back age line you want to draw. And as you consider just what kind of running back he is and how he ran for a lot of those kind of negative plays last year and had them in you know, kind of those disadvantageous situations in in some of those games. So Makes me wonder if there's a move coming on Dalvin Cook. Wondering about Zadarius Smith, who's had a weird saga, but they would clear a bunch of cap space if they moved on from him. That seems almost uh, almost inevitable now, especially after the Davenport news, assuming that becomes official. So big picture right now, you can see the plan starting to take shape, but you can also see that they're losing a lot of players who have contributed mightily to this team in 
well, some of them in the in the cases of several years, some of them at least for the last few years, but no Adam Thielen, no um, no Patrick Peterson, no Dalvin Tomlinson, no Eric Kendricks. Those are guys who have been key players, again, aging players, but key players on this team for, you know, for multiple seasons, and now those guys are definitely gone and looking at the possibility of at least a few more people being gone and or restructured. So will be interesting to see what happens the rest of this week as they try to get cap compliant by tomorrow and sign some more players to become more um, you know, more ready to play in 2023. They're going to need some corners, that is for sure. They don't have a whole lot there right now. Going to have to address that in free agency and the draft. Still need to get more pass rush. Still need to figure a lot of things out as they enter 2023. And again, just from where it looks right now, the competitive rebuild. Uh, last year was the competitive part. This is the rebuild. This is the pain. It's necessary, but this is what is probably coming. Take a playcation to Mystic Lake. With 24-7 gaming, the good times never have to end. And you can satisfy your cravings at our restaurants and bars. Or relax in one of our luxurious hotel rooms. Those that play together, stay together. And don't forget to join Club M so you can spark new memories and bask in the rewards along the way. Follow the lights to Mystic Lake, where every day is play day. All right, really happy to be joined by Chip Scoggins and Carlos Gonzalez from the Star Tribune. Chip's been on a bunch of times, as you guys know, columnist, writes about sports, does a lot of enterprise work. Carlos, one of my favorite photographers, one of my favorite people at the Star Tribune. He's been here a long time. All of us have been at the paper for quite some time. I've known you guys for at least 20 years each, which does not make me feel <laughs> younger, but it makes me feel better about the paper because you guys do a great job in your last, uh, most one of the most recent things you guys each did was a, a tandem project on Maple Grove hockey. It didn't go into it necessarily knowing it would be Maple Grove, but you had this idea to do something on the boys hockey tournament and kind of the journey and the exhilaration and what it means to, to kind of the, the process after you win sections of what happens next and getting to state. Um, so Chip and Carlos, first off, welcome. How you guys doing? Doing good, man. Thanks for having us, Mikey. Yeah, doing real well, Rand. Thanks a lot for having us. Absolutely. I'm going to just throw this out to both of you. Um, you know, how did, how did you guys get, how did you guys decide um, that this was something you want to work on that, that, you know, a, a story like this, where you get to follow a team for what amounted to a week, basically like from, from their section final, all the way through the first game of the state tournament. How did, how did that project kind of get off the ground? Yeah, I'll start. I mean, it, it, I would say for me, it took root back when I first came here in, in January of 2000. Um, you know, I grew up in Tennessee. We didn't have hockey and there's no national predators. So hockey was not a sport, knew nothing about the sport. When I, when I came here to cover high schools in January, 2000, I got hired. All I heard was hockey state tournament, biggest thing ever. This is the greatest, you know? And I, I just remember thinking, really just another state tournament. And I went to that first one. And back then we could, uh, we did interviews outside the locker room. And I could hear the commotion in there after a team won. I was down there waiting to talk to their coach and players. And, you know, I could hear Tom Petty, I won't back down, you know, the song and, and the door swings open and that hockey smell hits you. And all these kids had their hair dyed blonde. And, and it, it's kind of like a uh-huh moment. It's like, okay, now I see why this is such a big deal uh, in these kids' lives. And, you know, having talked to, NHL players have gone and played in the NHL to say that was still, you know, one of their greatest hockey memories getting played in this tournament. So I've always wanted to 
kind of um, see what that looks like behind the scenes uh, for these these kids that get the opportunity to play in it. I know how important it is. Um, we see them every year. They show up with their hair dyed or the you know the weird hairstyles and um, so I, I, it's been on my mind for a little while. And, and so I decided this year to, the idea I had was the clock starts from the moment the, the scoreboard clock hits zero at the section finals all the way up to, and we kind of debated how we do it, whether we go all the way through it or the first game. But, you know, I was talking to Chris Carr, sports editor, is like the antip- anticipation of this, of this event you know, so we, we decided to stop uh, Thursday. Um, and so we just, we had to find the right, you know, the right team. And we went to a section, picked a section with Maple Grove and Rogers and Carlson and I were there that night. And once, uh, once, it, and I had contacted uh, multiple coaches at schools, you know, like a month in advance and had several conversations said, Hey, this is what I'm thinking. Would you be okay with it? You know, we had to get some sign off from the high school league and the, principals and ad just to make sure that they were comfortable with how much time we were going to spend with them and, and maple grove was all on board and so uh last thursday night uh when they won that section final we were off and running carlos from your perspective how did you get kind of looped in on this and this is something yeah, I, i'm sure a lot of <clears throat> any good journalist any good photographer wants to be able to get behind the scenes on a story but w- when did this become a, a story that you really wanted to jump in on and, and be and be the photographer for uh, yeah, it was brought to me initially by uh, one of my picture editors, Kevin Martin, uh, who told me that Chip was going to be working on the story. So I was like really interested because obviously it's great to work with Chip, but also just everything Chip had said, you know, the hockey tournament's such a big deal. And it's always uh, a lot of the so gained so much interest in the state and even outside of the state. So anything associated that's always fun to be part of, and especially a, a project like this where, uh, you know, getting to follow a team and showing what it's kind of like for them their week leading up to the tournament it was pretty intriguing. So yeah, I was definitely on board. And this could have been any team. Like you said, I mean, this, you, you reached out to a lot of different people, a lot of different folks. The idea wasn't Maple Grove. That was the team that ended up winning, but this, this is kind of a snapshot of what it's like kind of for a lot of different teams. I'd imagine, especially Metro area teams, if they make the state tournament, right? Yeah. I would think yeah. this was pretty much a snapshot for every team, even the teams that go every year. I mean, this is Maple Grove's, I wouldn't say they're a traditional power. They've been four years in a row, but I think they've only been five times uh, total. But even the Edinas and St. Thomas Academies, these teams that go year after year, for some of these kids, it's still the first time, right? And they still grew up thinking about, you know, and dreaming about and wanting to be in this event. So I, I would guess what we saw is pretty similar for every team that week leading up to it. Um, And what, you know, Maple Grove in particular, what what resonated with you particularly once you got into kind of getting to know these guys a little bit, telling their story in particular? Maybe we can start with you, Carlos. What what did you really particularly like about, you know, some of the visuals you were able to get and some of the stories you were able to tell with Maple Grove? Well, I mean, uh, Chip will probably agree with me, but it just seemed like a good group of kids. I mean, obviously, they like all these teams, they've, they've been together forever. They've known each other since they were little. Um, but they all just seemed like like generally good group of kids. So it was kind of easy just to kind of follow them and let them do their thing. You know, um, their coach is very likable. He's like, a, it comes off, you know, like a good guy. So maybe that kind of helps to set the tone for everything. And they, you know, they forgot about me pretty quick and let me do my, you know, do my thing, which was really helpful in telling trying to tell the story. Yeah. I'll say that was, uh, the manner at which that they embraced Carlos and I being there 
by the end, it almost felt like, uh, I won't say they ignored us, but we were just part of the the group. They just sort of expected to be there. And that starts with their, their coach, Todd Berglund. Um, Bergie. Known, known affectionately as Bergie. Um, as good a person as you're going to find. I mean, I, I can't even imagine another coach uh, granting and, and enthusiastically granting the, he was like, you guys have to be here and you're going to be here, right? You're going to be on the team bus with us. And you know, our breakfast is at seven 30. I mean, they opened their arms to us in ways that I, I was floored. Um, I thought they would be, I thought it'd be good because they granted it, but the way uh, the team treated us um, and the access they gave us and, I, and Carlos is right. Um, a very mature, funny, um, just group of young guys. I mean, yeah, I, I'll say, I think we picked the perfect team. We landed with the perfect team to do this story because, uh, they were cool with us coming over to their house. They're cool with us being there when they took an ice bath. They're cool with us being at their team bonding stuff. And it wasn't ever awkward. You know, sometimes you wonder if they're gonna be like, well, who are these two guys here? It never, ever, ever felt awkward. Uh, with any situation that we're in and, and just a uh, first class program all the way. Carlos, one of my favorite pictures um, of the ones that I saw was, <clears throat> I think it was on the section, actually the section final, the bus ride back where there's kind of, kind of see the lit, the backlight of the the phone and two guys kind of hover, two teammates kind of hovering over reading social media, presumably on the way home. This felt like a very 2023 moment uh, that one obviously made the cut. I really enjoyed it. What were some of your favorite visuals that you were able to capture from from that uh, from that time you spent with them? Yeah, I definitely like that. That was fun. You know, that's that, that was right after they won their sections, so they're taking the bus right home and you know, and happy and a good mood after a win. And you know, they were just checking social media and seeing what their friends are saying. I think one of them said they're checking scores of other games. I guess maybe some yeah. potential potential teams they're going to face and all that. And I, I really enjoy the, the haircut stuff was really fun. You know, obviously that's a big yeah. tradition uh, in the hockey tournament and just you watching these kids kind of negotiate what kind of haircuts they're going to give each other. Like almost like trying to convince each other, no, Hey, just do this. You should do this and stuff like that. So th- that was kind of cool. Um, but yeah, all the little moments again, like I said, it was a good group of kids. So it, uh, it all seemed like it, um, it led itself to a lot of nice images for, for moments that they were just having. So in that haircut night, uh, it, it, this speaks to uh, it's kind of inside journalism, but the, the uh, kind of the the teamwork that goes in when you're doing this with a photographer. I was off. We knew there's there's possibly either that night or the next night they're going to be doing their hair. They weren't sure how it was going to be organized, and we had, we had been to a uh, they had had a strength uh, sports performance session over at a local club there for an hour in Carlson there, and I was talking to the trainer who put them through and. Carlos had talked to uh, Luke Marginot, um, who was a captain, and it was going to be at his house. And so Carlos said, I got his cell phone number in case it does. And we were thinking, okay, it was sort of 50 50, it wasn't. So we said, well, let's just get dinner because we don't want to drive back to our homes and leave Maple Grove and then find out that they did. And Carlos and I were at dinner out there and we're eating. And uh, Carlos texted Luke and he's like, yeah, we're just about to do it. And we're like, Check, please. You know, it's like literally running out of dinner. And, and Carl's like, and this is how cool the kids were. He's like, I can you wait, you know, a little bit? And he's like, give us 20 minutes. And they waited, you know, nice. I mean, they waited to start. And that was a fun night with his parents there. And uh, just seeing some of the haircut uh, styles that they're giving each other. And just that, I mean, that, those are the moments that you were hoping to get. Right. Right. Not just practice or these things, but those 
the moments that make the state tournament experience special. And, and that was one that I'm really thrilled that we were able to do. And thanks to Carlos for getting Luke's number and, and having him uh, text us that they were doing it. I love some of the quips you were able to get in there too. And like kind of keeping the players semi-anonymous, you know, one player said this, one player said that, but just kind of those moments between teammates and understanding these are, you know, 16, 17 year olds who are going to kind of chirp each other a little bit, but also yeah. kind of have this kind of playful back and forth. Well, and that, that, you know, I, I told coach, every coach that I talked to, cause that, you know, uh, occasionally something, you know, there might be a swear word. I mean, it's just like, I'm not trying to embarrass anybody. Some of that, when I, you know, I use someone or, or one says, right. They talk so much. I couldn't tell who it was. Yes. Of you course. know, I couldn't, right. when you have 12 guys in a locker room or in a house and someone says something, I, I couldn't, you know, stop and say, okay, who said that? You know? <laughs> sure. So I just, I just scribbled down what I heard or on my tape recorder. Um, so, but it was, yeah, it, that's what we wanted is like them to act normal and say what they would say, you know, if we weren't there and if, you know, there was anything embarrassing, we weren't going to embarrass them if they said anything that's, you know, like a swear word or, you know, sure. we're going to kill this team, which they didn't say, but it's something like they, I, I didn't want them. I, I told the coaches, look, I'm not going to, you know, I have teenage boys myself, you know, I, I know, I know the deal. So, um, but it was, I mean, they, the kids were respectful and, and they loved, I think they really appreciated having us there. I got an email from Luke's dad this morning that, uh, that the boys really got a kick out of it and, and having that experience. Now, from a narrative standpoint, <clears throat> I mean, Maple Grove going on to win the state tournament might've, you know, added something to the story at some point, but I understand it's probably more about the lead up and then they lose Thursday in the first, in the, in the quarterfinals. Did that it kind of added a probably a definitive endpoint, and then by that point, some deadlines had been agreed upon. Like, but that's kind of be kind of a squishy territory for how to how to put together a story when you don't quite know how it's going to end, at least for the season. Yeah, we struggled with that and had a number of conversations with with Chris, our editor, about man, is this going to feel weird if they go on to win the state title and we don't have this that part of this? And he, you know, he kept reiterating, let's focus on the anticipation and the buildup because that's what this whole thing was about, and. Quite honestly, some of it was production issues sure. and, and deadlines and, and those type of things. And we didn't want it to really bleed into next this week. Yeah. Because it's it's girl state basketball time. And the further you got away from it, the further it would feel like, boy, this is okay, this is sort of old. You know, why why are you right. about this now? So the the format that I had in my mind in the way it did was that it was going to be for the most part outside the, the league, chronological things that we saw. You know, Friday, Friday, 4 p.m., this happened. Something cool. Saturday, 8 a.m., this happened. So you're, you're writing scenes, and I wanted it to be scenes and not a free-flowing narrative, all, you know, one one long story. And I think that helped with the timing part of it. We could write it and edit it, and Carlos put his photos in every day. Uh, it, it's a different kind of assignment that we've had, but it, it came together that way. I think uh, it helped with the process, so we were ready to go later in the week once we did know what our endpoint was. Now, Carlos, I imagine the challenge is a little bit different for you because you've got all these things, all these images you probably like, and sometimes there's, you know, tying them to the whole, tying them to the overall narrative, things like that. And sometimes a picture just kind of speaks for itself. I felt like the words and the pictures complemented each other really well, though. For, from your standpoint, um, is there any other, like, are there any areas you wish you could have got into more or any kind of areas we should could explore like a picture you're like man that was a really good but it doesn't quite fit in the overall scheme of what we're doing here 
You know, honestly, like, I, I mean, Chip and I were kind of there for everything that was kind of going on that was scheduled or not even scheduled. So we didn't really miss a lot. You know, I think it would have probably been if they would have made a, a little bit longer run. Um, yeah. I think, a, a, you know, obviously um, it'd kind of be more that Cinderella ending kind of thing. Where, sure. Um, but other than that, no, I think we were, we were able to be around for most of the stuff. And again, access was not an issue. So I think we kind of got, or I, you know, what we, what we could with what we had. So that worked out, I think, pretty well. Well, and these days too, I mean, this is for both of you and a couple more questions, but these days it feels like any kind of access you can get. And, you know, Chip, you've had a lot of these, a lot of these types of stories. And I want to get into a question kind of related to that in a minute, but just access wise, like with access being limited in a lot of cases these days, where you can shoot a picture from, what you can, what exactly you can get, how, how much behind the scenes you can actually get and tell a story that's not kind of watered down or what a team wants you to tell that that's got to feel pretty good to be able to kind of tell a complete story or have access to telling the complete story. Yeah. I would say access is gold for us. I mean, to be able to show behind the scenes, what these kids got to experience in the eight days, seven days leading up to their, the anticipation, the the practice, the the different events that they had different occasions. I mean, we access in, in journalism becomes so restricted now, particularly at the, at the NFL or in, at the pro level um, it's controlled. So to be able to really embed with the team and just absorb kind of what they're going through. I mean, it's exhilarating. I mean, you just feel like you're getting something great. Carlos, what about for you? You say exactly same thing. Access is so, so important to try to tell a story. You know, a lot of things like, Chip brought up, you know, pro leagues and stuff, but to get access is so difficult. And and a lot of times it is kind of guarded or protected or, you know, what they want, what they want you to see and, and or show. Um, and so something like this feels a little more real. Um, and I guess if anyone's listening to this, who's like a, a potential, uh, you know, journalist student or something like that, know that like, yeah, I mean, it's fun to cover pro sports, all that kind of stuff too, but you know, sports, you know, high school and even younger sports. I mean, having access and be able to tell a story completely is, is so much more rewarding, not only for yourself as a journalist, but like, I think to the readers as well, because they get to see um, kind of what it's like. Yeah. And also need to point out too, that uh, we should thank the high school league um, because they, uh, we were given special access at the state tournament, which does not happen. Um, yeah. Agreed. It, it's pretty controlled there, but they, uh, we rode the bus with them from their team hotel down into the, to the uh, loading docks there. Um, we were down in areas that are typically restricted, but they, they, the high school team recognized uh, the potential in this story. I think they appreciated what we've done in recent years with Austin and Red Lake and telling stories uh, because we had access. And so Bob Madison and, and the executives there um, allowed us to, you know, be outside the locker room and hear them the music, see those guys come out of the locker room, see them get ready. And I think that that definitely helped our story and enhanced it. And uh, so I, I think we should acknowledge that. But Chip, I was going to ask you too, just kind of tying a bow on that idea when, you know, the Austin story was a few years ago, the Red Lake story was only, you know, three or four months ago. And I had you and Aaron Levinsky on at that time to talk about that story, you know, access being one thing, but you know, those are all teams that you're following stories. You're telling this is a much different case because you're only with these guys for about a week you're kind of cramming it all into one shorter space and getting to know these guys and telling more of a 
not so much of a personal story, but more of a kind of a the emotion along the way. But any comparisons, any contrasts to, you know, uh, a suburban hockey team versus, you know, this this Red Lake football team that's just struggling to put a team together to kind of this idea of the the Austin you know, basketball team and the change in, you know, what what's consistent, what's different as you kind of kind of think about those narratives. Well, in terms of being able to tell them, it, it comes down to trust. In all those cases, we have to earn their trust to be able to uh, come into their lives and tell their stories. And I think we've done that. Um, I don't know if there's a, a common theme because the situations are so different other than you see the power of sports, and ter- particularly high, sports, high school sports, in terms of being a bond and a glue for a community, for kids. I mean, you think about Austin, you think about Red Lake and East, all totally different circumstances, but at the root of it, you have teenage kids that are playing a sport, being teammates. They have, they come from different backgrounds, but just the power of that and, and how important and how important life lessons that they get from those sports and being teammates and being part of the team and learning all those things. That to me is the common thing that I think you can weave through all three of those uh, big stories. Yeah, I agree with that. And appreciate everything you guys did on this story. If you guys haven't read it yet, go back and look at Saturday's paper, also still digitally, startribune.com. You can find it pretty easily there through our high school page. Um, and probably even the homepage still too. It's got a lot of life after just even if even after just uh, you know a few days, this one will resonate for a while, not just with Maple Grove, but anybody who likes hockey and a story well told. Chip Scoggins and Carlos Gonzalez, appreciate your time. Good to catch up with you. Congrats again on the story, and we will talk soon. Thanks, brother. Thank you. Thank you, Rand. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Chip Scoggins and Carlos Gonzalez from the Star Tribune. Two guys, like I said, I've worked with for a very long time. Any story that uh, has any magnitude is in good hands with them. Great pictures from Carlos, great words from Chip, just setting the scene. Lots of fun, great idea. I'm glad they were able to execute that and pull that off. And if you have not read it yet, go check that out. Like I said, startribune.com or go back to your Saturday newspaper and give that a good long look. Let's finish with the cooler. A couple things from the basketball world. One positive, the Wolves win 136-115. to in Atlanta on uh, on Monday night, kind of a laugher. They they kind of took a big lead in the first quarter and didn't really take their foot off the gas the rest of the game. The Hawks a little bit in transition mode after hiring Quinn Snyder. The Wolves desperately needed that game after losing a couple home games in a row. They've been much better on the road than at home lately, which is interesting to me. But uh, all the starters had a huge you know had a huge impact on that game. Anthony Edwards playing back. You know, near his uh, near his hometown where he grew up in Atlanta, um, at 32 points, had the kind of the, you know, the exclamation points in the fourth quarter. Kyle Anderson triple double. How about that? 12 assists in that game. So that was big for him. Jade McDaniel's 19 points on eight of 10 shooting. Rudy Gobert had 14 points, eight rebounds, four assists, three blocks. My goodness. Mike Conley Jr. had 21 points. I mean, they were just really efficient in this game even if ant shot two for ten from three-point range they were all stuffing the stat sheet ant 32 points eight rebounds five assists so just a good game all around for them you kind of feel you know feel like they're playing reasonably well you had that clunker against the the 76ers i would not call the nets game a clunker that was just a good competitive game that they did not win 
unfortunately, um, you know, had a, a rough ending in that game. But that was one that they could have won in overtime. And really coming off that West Coast trip, they've been playing a lot better the last six or seven games. So maybe they've got something in store down the stretch. But only 13 games left now. Still wondering when Carl Anthony Towns might come back. Still wondering what he might look like if and when he comes back. But getting it done, at least for now, without him. And that is good for them to see. Gophers men's basketball on the flip side, losing two players to the transfer portal. Maybe not a big surprise, but you don't want to keep losing without adding. We haven't seen any adding yet. Uh, Jaden Henley, who was an AAU teammate of Dennis Evans, who just announced that he's leaving or decommitting from the U, going to Louisville, by the way. Um, Dennis Evans is. Uh, follow the money if you want to uh, to maybe find out why he's going there. Jaden Henley leaving the Gophers as is Trayton Thompson, um, who hadn't played much here. So neither one of those a terrible surprise. Thompson hadn't played much. Henley doesn't have his now, you know, his former AAU teammate coming to join him here anymore. Henley had showed some promise, I thought, down uh, down the stretch of the season, had played better, had got, you know, some double-digit scoring games, but I wouldn't say either one of those are program-damaging, program-changing losses. But like I said, if you recruit players and then they leave and then you don't bring in the same caliber of players to replace them, that is a net negative. So we're going to have to see what Ben Johnson's able to do in the transfer portal in the other direction to right this ship going forward. That will do it for today. Hope you enjoyed today's show. Lots of good stuff coming up the rest of the week. I'm sure there'll be plenty of Vikings talk on tomorrow's show, maybe some Twins talk as well. Until then, enjoy the rest of your Tuesday. I'm Michael Rand, back at it again tomorrow.